Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. To 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, I'll read the first four verses here in just a minute. So I've been spending a good portion of this year studying in 1 Peter. And this epistle tells us that, you know, this world is no longer our home. When we're in Jesus Christ, we're given new life. We're made new. This world that is broken and cursed is no longer uh, our home. We're temporary residents. We are pilgrims uh, going through this world. This is just a temporary layover until we reach our final destination with Christ and he turns everything new and he makes a new world and, and new heaven. But, you know, since we don't belong to this world, we don't hold to this world's values, we don't hold to this world's worldview, we are changed, we have new life that is in contrast to the lifestyle of this world and we are called to live differently uh, from the world. We are called to live a holy life and while we've been given the Holy Spirit to empower us to live in that way, God has also given us other resources to help us navigate this world in a way that is pleasing to God and Peter points out several of those things and today we find that one of those resources, strangely enough, is those people that we call pastors. Now that word pastor really means shepherd. It's just another word uh, for shepherd. But the the position in the church that Christ has created goes by several different names. They're all interchangeable within the Bible. Here, and we're gonna see the word elder. Uh, Other places use the word overseer as well as uh, pastor. And Christ has set up this office for his church, for their good, to help guide them while they're in this temporary layover here on this earth so that we can do it to the glory uh, of God. But we find it interesting that God has called shepherds to shepherd a flock. And, you know, a flock of sheep, you know, the Bible often uses uh, the metaphor of sheep uh, for his people. But the shepherd that that God calls is himself a sheep. And so Peter in the passage we're looking at says that Christ who is the chief shepherd calls some from the flock of sheep to be an under shepherd to guide and help those uh, uh, other sheep. But why would God, why would Christ call some of these sheep to shepherd the flock? Well, it's because we're sheep. I mean, all of us, and sheep sometimes is an apt description of us. One pastor noted about sheep that more than any other class of livestock, sheep require endless attention and meticulous care. You know, we need attention, we need care, and so uh, Christ has raised up under shepherds for that care. He knew the care that the sheep would need in this hostile environment because we are walking through a hostile world, we are walking through enemy territory, and so we need, uh, you know, well, at least God has called people to shepherd his people through uh, this, the, the, this hostile territory um, that we're going through. And so uh, the chief shepherd calls shepherds to equip the church to fulfill its calling, to live through this world. And, and honestly, now more than ever, this world needs a church that is strong. This world needs a church that is healthy. This world needs a church that stands on biblical convictions. The world needs a church that 
is able to give answers to some of the deep issues that are plaguing this world right now, and, and uh, the church can only do that if its leaders are strong in fulfilling what they're supposed to be doing as shepherds, if they're able to fulfill their calling. A.W. Tozer said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Well, the church is only going to be fearless if uh, the leaders are doing what they're supposed to be uh, doing. I mean, the, the church will only be what the world needs it to be when its leaders are able to do what God has called them to do. So, now, I'm talking about shepherds, and you might be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with, with me? What does it have to do with, with you? Because here I am a pastor talking about pastors to those who are not pastors. Well, it's very important for you, because if I can't be what Christ has called me to be, you can't be what Christ has called you to be. And so we need strong leadership. We need healthy leadership for a church to be healthy. And so what we do with a passage like this, when it's talking about pastors, is for you to take what's said here and then to turn it into prayer. You need to pray for your pastors. You need to pray for your pastors, because trust me, we need it. And so what I want us to take away from this passage is that for a church to successfully navigate this world that is so hostile toward us, the church must pray for the shepherds to whom God has given their care. And so I want to read verses 1 through 4 of 1 Peter chapter 5, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read this passage. And Peter says, so as your fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings and as one who shares in the glory that will be revealed, I urge the elders among you, give a shepherd's care to God's flock among you, exercising oversight, not merely as a duty, but willingly under God's direction, not for shameful profit, but eagerly. And do not lord it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. Then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I pray that you would just touch this church and and use your word to strengthen us, encourage us, challenge us to make us who we need to be because this world needs a fearless church. This world needs a strong church. This, this world needs a church that points them to you. May that be us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So here we have Peter. And, you know, after writing a lot about living a holy life in a hostile world, he exhorts the church to fulfill its role while on this earth. And, you know, it begins with the elders and the pastors and overseers, and then in the next passage, he talks to the rest of the flock. He talks to the rest of of, uh, the sheep. And we read this passage about shepherding God's flock, and we can't help but think about an incident that happened in Peter's life that would have formed his heart as a shepherd. You know, a shepherd for the flock uh, of Christ in general, and then even being a shepherd to the shepherds. 
Because when you think about it, you think about the incident that happens in John chapter 21. After Christ's resurrection, Jesus put Peter through a process of restoration after, you know, his denials. Uh, he put him through a process of restoration. And, and, you know, Jesus asked him questions, and then with each question there came an exhortation to be a shepherd. So three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter said yes. And then after Peter said yes, Jesus would tell him, would exhort him to shepherd the people, shepherd the church. And so, you know, after each question, first Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. And then he said, feed my sheep. So Peter went through that experience. He has that in the back of his mind. Now he's writing this to pastors. But for the shepherds to fulfill these exhortations of Christ, the shepherd needs to be strengthened. And that strength comes through the prayers of the people. That strength comes through the prayers of the congregation, the prayers of the sheep, whatever uh, metaphor you might want to use. Because if the shepherds are going to lead rightly, they need the prayers of the people. You know, we joke around that pastors' jobs are pretty easy because they only work on Sundays and Wednesdays, right? But if a, pastor, if a pastor's job is so easy, why did Barna find in a survey that only one in 10 men who become pastors actually retire as pastors? That means that 90% of the men who go into ministry will drop out of ministry and retire in a different vocation. Another author claimed that over 16,000 pastors leave the ministry every year. Why? I mean, there's a lot of factors. What could have been done to prevent it? Well, one thing is for sure is that prayer. Prayer could have prevented a lot of that. There's a meme that summarizes the attitude of a lot of pastors. The meme said, ministry is the only position you go in thinking you're going to change the world and then you almost get fired for changing the bulletin. We laugh at that, and then it's like, I mean, I know it's not here, but I mean, we laugh at that, but you know what? Several of you have heard of churches like that, that things like that happen. And now the American church is in a crisis because many pastors are getting older, but there are not enough younger people going into ministry to take their place. A Barna study found that there are more full-time senior pastors over the age of 65 than under the age of 40. That means there's gonna come a time in a decade or two when finding a pastor to fill the pulpit is gonna be difficult. And no, I know that you know, a few weeks ago there was this whole thing about that a computer created an AI pastor that preached an AI, that's artificial intelligence, sermon to a church. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to rely on a computer to generate a, to generate a sound theology. We, we need God-called men to fill the pulpits. 
And that's only going to happen with prayer. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not saying any of these things out of any personal complaints or concerns. I mean, this church is such a blessing to me and my family. I, I, I love being here. I love my ministry. Um, I, I'm having fun. You allow me to dance the church clap at VBS and don't get all, oh, Baptist pastor is dancing. Look out. You, know, you don't get all hyped up about that. But, but if other pastors and the other pastors here and pastors in general and, and me, if we're going to be who God wants us to be, we need prayer. You need to pray for your pastors. But what do you pray? Well, there's a lot of things, obviously. But I, I think that the instructions that Peter gives to the pastors here is a good indication of what the church needs to pray if we're going to be a healthy church. So there's two things I want to touch upon today. First, pray for the shepherd's ministry. Pray for the shepherd's ministry, and this is a consideration of what the pastor does. So in verse 2, Peter tells the pastors, give a shepherd's care to God's flock among you, exercising oversight. And so here's the command. My translation says, give a shepherd's care. Other translations might just simply say, shepherd. Shepherd the people. It also says the, the way that they are to shepherd the people, and that is by exercising oversight, which means you have a responsibility to look after. Now, obviously, those are really broad words. It covers a lot of territory. That's because, well, the ministry of a pastor is very broad. To cover, you know, the, this territory that shepherding and exercising oversight covers, I mean, the pastor has to wear a lot of hats. One person wrote in an article the different roles that pastors take on. A pastor, a pastor acts as a mediator, a counselor, an encourager, a teacher, a minister, a leader, a social media manager, an advocate, a rehabilitation coordinator, a business administrator, human resources, a writer, a technologist, a data analyst, a public speaker, a theologian, a politician, a motivator, and on and on and on, you know, the list went. You know, and there's a lot of expectations, a lot of things that are added to, you know, um, covering that. But if we're going to follow a biblical picture of a pastor, a biblical picture of a shepherd, if we're going to follow the biblical concept of giving a shepherd's care and exercising oversight, there are some very important aspects, and we must pray that the pastor is able to fulfill these biblical duties if the church is going to be healthy. Now, first, part of shepherding, obviously, is just care, general care for the flock. This involves emotional and spiritual care during crisis, as well as equipping the church to take care of the physical needs of, of uh, the congregation, the flock. Pastors are there to provide comfort and encouragement and, and guidance in difficulties to uplift in times of discouragement. I mean, that's kind of the general idea, ideas of care, the pastor's care over the flock. Another part of a shepherd's ministry is to protect the flock. We look at the picture of shepherds in the Bible, and we know that they had staves, they had these crooks, they had these rods uh, that they would use, part of the trade of a shepherd to protect the flock. Now, part of the protection of the flock is to protect the sheep from themselves, because sheep like to wander off, do their own thing, get into all sorts of harm, and so, you know, a shepherd, in a sense, is supposed to reel them back in and, um, before they hurt themselves. But obviously, another part of protection includes keeping them safe from predators. Sheep are vulnerable to attack, 
And the shepherd had, you know, a regular shepherd, you know, had to drive away the wolves and uh, other predators like that. Well, in a similar way, a pastor protects the pulpit from false teachers, from false teachings, you know, so that you're not led astray. Another part of, pastor, of, of a shepherd's ministry is leadership. I mean, in order to exercise oversight, you have to lead. Now, the biblical concept of a church is that a church is to be pastor-led and deacon-served. Now, as Baptists, we're congregational. That means we're an autonomous church. We, the congregation as a group makes decisions about certain business aspects of being a church, but it is the pastor that leads and directs and guides the church as led by God. Our passage in verse 2 makes it clear that this is God's flock, but he has given leadership authority to the shepherd. The church is given an exhortation in Hebrews 13, 17, where it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls and will give an account for their work. Let them do this with joy and not with complaints, for this would be no advantage for you. But within the context of 1 Peter, there's a certain way that shepherds fulfill this giving a shepherd's care, exercising oversight. This is the most important way. How, how do I do all the rest of that stuff? And that is through the ministry of God's word. I, I care for you, I protect you, I lead you by pointing you to the word of God. I put in front of you the truths of Scripture. If you need comfort, if you need encouragement, I don't give you a pep talk, I don't give you pop psychology, I point to you what it says in God's Word. If I want to protect you, I surround you with the truths of the Bible. You know, there are thousands of false teachers, false teachings, false religions out there I would not have the time to tell you what is wrong with each and every single one of them. But I can give you God's word so that you can know the truth and you are able to discern whether teachers and teachings are in line with what God has said. So you can discern what is true or false. I care for you, I oversee you, by giving you the truths of God. R.C. Sproul said, today a pastor is expected to be a psychologist, theologian, biblical scholar, administrator, preacher, teacher, and community leader. The minister spends so much time on secondary matters that he has little time to do his principal work, which is to feed the sheep through preaching and teaching. The greatest service your minister can do for you is to feed you, not with his opinion, but with the word of God. And so sure, everyone has an opinion about what a pastor should do, but the greatest service that I can do for you as a church is to equip you with the knowledge and understanding that you need to grow in your faith, and that's by constantly putting in front of you God's word, constantly pointing you to scripture. You say, this is going on in my life, this is going on in my life. Pastor, what should I do? What does Scripture say? 
you should do. It all starts there. I think of the early church. And at the beginning, the church had certain expectations of the apostles in the ministry, but the apostles could not do it all. So they gave certain aspects of the ministry to what we consider the first deacons. And then what did the apostles say? They said, we are going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the word of God, knowing that that would be the greatest service that could be done for the church. That is when the flock, the sheep, would be the most healthy, when they were pointed to the word of God. So pray that your shepherds would be empowered to feed you the truth of the word, that they would be given wisdom to lead and that the flock would willingly follow and pray that God would bear fruit through the ministry of the shepherds because then the church will bear fruit as well. It's to your benefit if the pastors are bearing fruit. And so pray for the shepherd's ministry. But not only pray for the shepherd's ministry, secondly, pray for the shepherd's mindset. Pray for the shepherd's mindset. So we could say, you know, praying for the shepherd's ministry, that's the what. You know, praying for the shepherd's mindset, we could say that's the how. How will the pastor fulfill the ministry? So at the end of verse two, and and then going through verse three, Peter gives three different contrasts of how a shepherd should approach ministry, the mindset that a shepherd should have. Peter says, don't approach it this way, do approach it this way. And so it's to the advantage of the flock that the pastor has the right mindset, praying that the pastor would work, you know, would have God work in his heart so he has the right mindset. So what is the mindset that that Peter puts before us for the pastors. First, in verse two, Peter says that a shepherd cares and exercises oversight, not merely as a duty, some uh, translations might say, not under compulsion, but willingly, under God's direction. And so it's saying that pastors shouldn't approach their shepherding duties like it's an obligation, like it's something they feel forced to do. Well, I guess I'm gonna do this but rather approach it as a blessing that we're privileged to be able to serve God's people. The reason that this is so important for the church is that a pastor who feels stuck in his ministry has no heart for Christ, has no heart for people, has no heart for the lost. All they're doing is going through the motions. They have no passion. They have no desire. They are indifferent, even numb to the work that God has called them to. That is not healthy for the church. Now, yes, some of it might be because the pastor has a stagnant walk with the Lord themselves. Sometimes it happens because of interpersonal conflict that happens in churches. But, you know, there's a lot of different reasons, maybe. But something took the life out of a pastor's ministry. And they're just mindlessly going through the work like a zombie almost. And Peter says that should not be the mindset, and so we pray that that's not the mindset. We don't want to have pastors and leaders who who don't really want to come, but they 
feel like they have no other option but coming and ministering to the people. I remember this story that I heard about this young man who on a Sunday morning didn't want to get up and get ready for church. And so his mother came into the room and said, get up. It's time to get ready for church. And this young guy, he says, I'm not going. And the mother asked, why not? And he said, well, the people there are mean and they hate me. They don't like me. I'm not going. And the mother more sternly said, you're getting up and you're going. And he, with his face kind of buried in the pillow, he kind of muffled, yeah, give me three good reasons why I should go. The mother replied, well, one, because it's Sunday and we always go to church on Sunday. Two, we only have 40 minutes until church starts and you haven't even showered yet. And three, because you're the pastor of the church, get going. (laughs) That, That mindset is not healthy for anybody. And what we want is we want to pray for the pastors that they minister not because of some sort of external pressure, but out of an internal passion for the Lord. And, and an internal passion for the people where God places them. We want the pastor to have the same weight on their heart that, that, that the apostles had in Acts chapter 4 where they said, I mean, we can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard in Christ. I can't help but going around and, and, and speaking about Christ. So pray that the pastor's mindset would be one to have a desire to shepherd the flock willingly, not out of a sense of duty. Well, we got to do something. But then there's another kind of, uh, you know, difference that that Peter sets in in verse 2. He also says that you want to pray that the pastor cares and exercises oversight not for shameful profit. Some versions might say not for greed. Some might say not for dishonest gain. Or some might even say like for filthy lucre. So not for shameful profit, but, but eagerly. So what this is saying is pastors aren't to approach the ministry as a means of personal gain but rather with an attitude of eagerly meeting the needs of others. Now, you would think that, I mean, basic Christian ethics would dictate that. We're told to love other people. We're we're told that the last will be first and the first will be last. We're told that Christ came not to be served, but to serve, and we're called to do likewise. I mean, just thinking about him washing the feet of his disciples. I mean, that's just basic Christian things. And yet, unfortunately, there are shepherds out there that turn things around and make it all about themselves. They, they make ministry about, well, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of the whole deal rather than what they can give? I mean, yeah, it'd be easy for us to pick on the prosperity preachers, right? Send me a thousand dollars and God will bless you or, you know, something like that. And then they turn around and they use that money to live in mansions and drive the fanciest cars that there are. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Pastors need a living wage. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, hey, we can cut the pastor's salary or something like that. But we, you know, we're not supposed to be building our own little empire. Pastors aren't there to build their own empire. They're there to build up the church so that the kingdom of God is built up. Pastors aren't to approach ministry with the thought, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? What, how can I take advantage of this situation so uh, I, I'm, I'm in luxury and, and, and things like that? You know, I remember several years ago, there was this um, article, I mean, it was all over the news about I, a certain pastor who demanded, didn't ask, but demanded that the church buy him a $75 million jet for ministry. 
I'll put that in air quotes, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I jokingly asked the church, hey, can I have a $75 million jet? Let's just say I'm going to be flying uh, economy class, you know. Uh, no $75 million jet here. That guy wanted to use the flock for his own personal advantage so that he could become rich. Instead, Peter says, pastors are to approach the ministry with eagerness. They are to have a devoted zeal for the people. They are to get up in the morning looking forward to using their gifts for the good of the flock, for the good of the people, and for the glory of God. So that's the mindset. Now there's one last contrast. In verse three, Peter says the pastors aren't to lord their position over those entrusted to them, but to be examples to the flock. We, we might say that pastors aren't to use their position to try and gain political power, go on a power trip maybe. They aren't to act like, you know, a, a dictator, a despot. You know, they aren't to take advantage of the sheep so they can feed their ego with, with power. They are to, to lead self-sacrificially. I think of different images or different pictures that have been drawn about different leadership styles. You know, th there's a picture of a guy who is behind the people, kind of with a whip that's driving the people, you know, kind of a dictator, kind of an autocrat. But then on the other hand, there's a person who leads from the front saying, follow me, being the pace setter and leading the charge. There's a difference there. Another illustration might be if you think of a pyramid, the first guy, you know, he's, he's at the top and everyone else is below him serving him and holding him up. On the other hand, there's the other person with the inverted triangle where he's at the bottom and he's holding everybody else up. And, and so Peter is saying pastors are not to be the autocrat, the dictator, the despot. Rather, they are to lead by example. They are to be the ones that say, hey, this is the way. Let's go this way or even better yet, you know, we point to Scripture and say, you know what, this is what Scripture says, let's do it. Come on, let's go and let's fulfill what Scripture says. And so we pray that the pastors will have that. We pray because a church will only flourish when the pastors have the right mindset and they will only have the right mindset if sheep, if the congregation is praying for them. Peter ends this passage by saying, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. And so a pastor who faithfully fulfills his calling, there's eternal reward. But the thing is, you know, that's not necessarily the motivation. It, if a pastor is able to fulfill his calling, I mean, everybody wins. Everybody is rewarded. The church is healthy and thrives. God is glorified. The gospel goes forth. The kingdom expands. And there's eternal reward for everyone. But that's why the pastor needs your prayers. If you don't want to pray for your pastors, you need to ask yourself, do you want them to approach the whole shepherding thing as if it's a ministry that's empowered by God? Or if it's merely a job that they're able to just use their talents and fulfill. Or let me put it another way. Do you want your pastor to visit you in the hospital with the attitude as if saying, 
yeah, I'm just here because it's my job. Sorry you're in the hospital. Or do you want them coming to shepherd you with the mindset, I am here because I love you and I want to take care of you? Which mindset would you prefer? That is only maintained by prayer. I also want you to think of another consideration, especially thinking about the day and age that we live in right now. C.H. Spurgeon warned us. He said, a time will come where instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns feeding the goats. Hello. (laughs) 21st century America, here we are. He meant instead of having true shepherds leading true flocks, we're going to have false prophets and false teachers leading false Christians. That doesn't do anybody any good. The world needs a true church that is led by true shepherds who are empowered to give a shepherd's care to the flock so that the church is equipped to spread the gospel and expand the kingdom of God. That's what this world needs right now. That is only going to happen when the church is praying for its shepherds, praying for their ministry, praying for their mindset. So church, come and pray for your pastors, pray that, and, and pray for the church, pray that we are able to be a shining light in the midst of constant darkness. I mean, every day you see the news and the internet and you're, you know, at first you think, oh man, this world's crazy. It can't get any crazier. And then, then the next day it's like, oh yeah, here, let me show you. The world needs a healthy church and for a church to be healthy, it needs healthy pastors. Come and pray for your pastors and come and pray that God would raise up young people to stand up and lead the church. Pray that God would raise up new pastors for the future so that God's people are led. Now, I wouldn't be a good shepherd if I didn't, before I conclude, ask about you and the state of your soul. I mean, I'm supposed to shepherd. I'm supposed... I care about the state of your soul. I care that, you know, shalom, the word shalom, is, it doesn't just mean peace, it means just an overall well-being. Uh, and peace is part of it, but, you know, it's an overall well-being. Well, you, you can only start with shalom, well-being, if you're in Christ. You know, if I were to ask you, are you going to heaven, and you say yes, why? I'll ask you why. I mean, if you say, because I go to church, because I'm good, because I follow the gold rule, you know, before I, I was saved, I, I haven't killed anyone, you know, things like that, wrong answer. I, as a shepherd, have an obligation to tell you that there is only one way for your sins to be forgiven, for you to go to heaven and to be with God forever, and that's through Jesus Christ. He died for you. He took the penalty of your sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again, and now we know he is able to give eternal life. He is the source of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so if you have never accepted Jesus Christ, today is the day. You are not guaranteed another day. 
You're not guaranteed another minute. Give your life to Jesus. He is the chief shepherd, and he will take such good care of you. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.